you or I have the ability to change someone's day with what we do and how we say things and how we make them feel. And for me, it was very impactful to really understand that because in the restaurant business, and I and I am a professional chef by trade, so I went to culinary school. But beyond that, I did open my own restaurant, and there I had great customers and I had not so great customers. But at the same time, I was there to make their day better. Hi, and welcome to the official Laughs podcast. My name is Estefania Lacayo, and along with Samantha Tams, we founded the Latin American Fashion Summit, a global platform for Latin American fashion and design. In our podcast sessions, we aim to bring you enriching and inspiring conversations with designers, entrepreneurs, leaders, activists, and newcomers, and share their powerful stories with you. Thank you for being here. We hope you enjoy the following conversation. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Labs Podcast. I'm Estefania Lacayo, co-founder of Labs, and today our long overdue guest that you just heard right now is Daphna Mizrahi. Daphna is the co-founder of Cura Mia Tequila, a unicorn in the male-dominated tequila industry, as it is not only led and founded by women, but 95% of the employees in the distillery are female. Today, we chat about how her time in the hospitality industry had a positive impact on her, her remarkable grandmother, and the power of her culture and heritage, and the obstacles we Latinas face in the funding world, and so much more. Daphna, welcome to the last podcast. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. I, um, I'm, I'm super excited to share our journey with you. We've been wanting to do this, you guys, for a really long time, and it's been so much back and forth, and I have to say much more from my end, so I'm extremely sorry. I'm not as busy as what it looks like, Um, but I'm very sorry. Just I'm very happy that we're here. And I start every conversation with our listeners on how we met, just to put things into perspective. And we met, I think it was almost a year ago, correct? Yes, it was November of, um, yes, last year. Mm, September. Was it November? It was, September. Hispanic, yes. It was for Heritage Month that we were both being honor. For Latina disruptors um, and an event of deal makers and NASDAQ and Bank of America in New York. And it was a great moment. It was yes, great. that was it was great for um, all of us to meet and what they did to get all of us together from different parts of Latin America was amazing. It was. It was wonderful. And I think a lot of us, at least on my end, that I didn't, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know you, I didn't know about Curamia. I also got to I, I didn't know that the birdies had a founder that was latina i didn't know like a lot of the girls that were there that i I didn't know there was one of them that was latina you know and it's great these events when they come together because you get to meet other people and that's kind of like the reason why we created laps also you know because i knew that there was so many wonderful people out there but you need to bring them together because if not i mean how would they meet so anyways um I'm super excited about everything you're doing and I can't wait for you to tell everyone with our team. That's thank you. Thank you. When I was reading everything about your bio with our content editor, um, you know, it's interesting because you used to work in hospitality and restaurant in the restaurant industry. And it's, it's a really powerful industry because you need really powerful skills and it's hard to learn in that industry, but multitasking, anticipating yourself before someone's needs and even reading body language is a lot of the skills that I think you get to learn in that industry. How did that experience um, when you worked in that industry shaped you 
to become the leader that you are today? You know, I often, and that that's actually a very interesting question, but you know, it is true when people say that everyone should be a server once in their lives, they're not kidding. I think that you're able to, to be on the other side of things where normally you wouldn't. All of us like and enjoy um, our moments around a table at a restaurant, at a bar, you name it. And I think hospitality is everywhere, not just in the restaurant business or, um, or, or in the kitchen. Anything we do, being hospitable and kind to one another is something that definitely grooms you to be a great leader. And for me, one of the things that I remember learning at a very young age is that you or I have the ability to change someone's day with what we do and how we say things and how we make them feel. And for me, it was very impactful to really understand that because in the restaurant business, and, I, and I, I'm a professional chef by trade, so I went to culinary school. But beyond that, I did open my own restaurant. And there I had great customers and I had not so great customers, but at the same time, I was there to make their day better. So I feel like understanding, um, like you said, body language and someone's needs, especially in that industry has shaped me to now understand the needs of my consumer and my community and be able to give back. So let's go back. Um, tell us like, so that the viewers know and we can go deep into Kuramia when you started brand, you went, you were born and raised where, and when did you go to and where and when did you go to culinary school? So I was born and raised in Guadalajara, Jalisco. So um, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia when I was 12 years old after my parents went through a rough divorce and my mom raised my brother and I in Atlanta. I, I, did, I got to the U.S. not speaking a word of English. Um, so for me, it was very challenging because I was that type A student that always got great grades. And I remember the moment in which I got to the U.S. and I didn't feel like I was fitting in. Um, I also wasn't understanding the language or any of those things. And I found myself being the most creative in the kitchen. I obviously learned the language and, and you know, found my way around the U.S., but for the most important part of what I was doing and what was making me happy was the kitchen. And I found that it was my canvas to creativity. So when it was time to go to college, I actually decided to go to the Culinary Institute of America here in Hyde Park, New York. That's amazing. It's a great school. And yes. you do all your internships it's because it's, I love, um, I have a lot of friends that went to that school or have been to culinary school. And it's so funny when we were both, we were all interning in New York and I was interning at Vogue and they were interning for like well-known restaurants in New York. I remember them complaining. Um, we were all young, you know, the same. I was complaining about certain things because it's a very tough industry, correct? Like it's a very competitive industry and very catty and it, it, it's not easy, correct? It is not. It's definitely one of those industries that, takes kind of if you think of all the fun things that you, you look forward to like going out on the weekends or holidays or you name it like the nine to five um, kind of schedule you absolutely just get rid of all of those thoughts because again it's hospitality but also everyone's fighting for that one role right to be the executive chef or have your name as your as the chef of the restaurant on the menu and more importantly, when I, it has changed over the years, but it was a very male dominant industry. And it was kind of like a labor of love because the pay is also not great. So you're really doing it um, because you're passionate about it. It's so interesting. It's like there's certain industries like culinary, um, art, 
fashion, they fall into the exact same bucket. It's really the first few years and they have changed somewhat. They have changed. And yes, the fact that we're having this conversation, that means they have evolved. But it's so much as a matter of love because, you know, you're working like 20 hours a day almost and you're getting paid nothing. Like it's, if you're not being helped by your parents in so many cases at the beginning, it's like you can't even live in the city, right? No, you can't. And I remember like for me, I actually started young. Um, when I was in culinary school, I worked with one of our chefs that was a teacher at the school and he was opening a restaurant. And I remember like I was trying to pay my way through school and working as a server was great money um, because everything's cash. And then when I finished the, the culinary school and it was time for me to figure out, OK, I'm going into the kitchen. That was like half the amount of money. And I was working twice as many hours. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize because servers in the front of the house obviously serve your table and, and make sure that you have a wonderful experience. But the hard work that's going into your dish and your plate and everything else that the chef is doing, those are hourly rate employees. And a lot of people don't even realize that they're really not making any money back there. A hundred percent. So um, a topic that I love exploring, and you actually explore it a lot with Curamia, is the constant exploration about going back to your roots and the meaning of that. And although a lot of us don't live in Latin America, at least in our cases, we don't live in Latin America, we are still magnifically pulled towards our culture. You were born in Guadalajara, Jalisco, Jewish heritage, and you're based in the U.S. now. What made you want to pay this honor, this homage to, to Mexicans and uh, through your food and now through your beverages? So this is actually, uh, I love this question because a lot of people ask why I named Cura Mia, Cura Mia, and that means my cure. And people ask, you know, at first they think it's funny. They're like, oh, that's catchy and that's great. And I said, well, there's a lot more to the story in the name than what you think it is. And for me, as I mentioned, I moved to the U.S. when I was 12 years old. So the stereotypical teenage years were all you want to do is fit in and find your group, right? And I, and I moved into a school in Atlanta, Georgia, where I did, I wasn't, the, the average person there. Most people were tall, blonde, blue eyes. And here came the Latin American um, student who A, didn't speak the language and two, didn't look the part or didn't look like I could fit in. And I struggled. I struggled with my identity for a long time because I tried my hardest to lose my accent. I was embarrassed when my mom would speak Spanish in front of people. I worked very hard at learning English so that I could be, you know, part of the group and I could fit in. And I remember one time I, I love to sing. That's one of my things that I always like to do since I was a kid. And I went to the chorus class and I auditioned for, this was a few months after I got to the U.S., but I auditioned for a part in The Sound of Music. And I remember the, the choir teacher saying that I didn't get the part, not because my voice wasn't beautiful, but because my accent was too thick and people wouldn't understand. Yeah. And, you know, Fast forward a few years later when I was in culinary school and I was in one of the classes, which was Cuisines of Latin America, I'm sitting there in obviously the top culinary school in the U.S. and listening to a chef talk about my culture in a way that Americans know it, but Mexicans don't. Wow. And that's when it really hit me. That's when I was like, this isn't my mission is the most beautiful part of who I am is my origin and my roots. And that is what makes me very unique. And it's time to educate the U.S. and educate the world in what Mexico is the way I saw it, right? And and my my 
goal was to do it through food at the beginning. I thought, okay, I'm going to open a restaurant where it is authentic Mexican food. It's not tacos with sour cream or, you know, um, you name it, rice on the side and beans. It's definitely, I wanted to really show what I grew up eating and the people behind those dishes. And I was working on doing something like that when COVID hit and the opportunity of starting Kuramia came about. And I said, you know what? What better than for us to regain our spirits as Mexicans? And and from Mexico, and especially where I'm from, Guadalajara, that's where tequila is from. And I said, okay, figuratively and literally, our spirit is tequila. And it's been very much Hollywoodized for the past couple of years, and it's time to regain it. Totally. So that, what year was this? This was 2020. So two days after COVID hit is when we started working on this project. Okay, so this is only... 2021 very recent um it's very very recent we're, we're gonna be three years in op like Kuramia will be three years in operation september 14th so it's very funny because the day that we met you and i was our our like our anniversary for Kuramia as well that's amazing i mean congrats on everything that you've accomplished in such little amount of time thank you so um you speak about your grandmother um on on some of your interviews and your bios that she played a big role on the creative concept behind Kuramia. Share this, a little bit of this with me. And what, um, I think it's interesting how strong the bonds are between, you know, a lot of things that many people don't know about us Latinas is the roles that our grandmothers or our mothers could play, at least in your case and in my case, also that our mothers, you know, I was, I was also raised by my mother, uh, which obviously played a humongous and important role in my life. And you mentioned earlier that your mom also raised you. Um, and then you talk a little bit in your bio about the relationship with your grandmother. So talk to me about this, this bond um, that you have between both of them. And we could go in depth about this, you know, this interesting role that this woman played with us in Latinas, you know? Yes. No, I think it's it's part of our culture and our DNA and in the Latin community where we our family is what means the most to us. Right. For us. And, and that was actually very interesting for me when I moved to the U.S. because all I heard from from people my age was I can't wait to be 18 and leave my house. Meanwhile, the way you and I grew up and, and may, I'm sure it's the same is you don't really leave your house unless you're you're ready to be established and maybe married. Right. Because family yeah, is such an important, <laughs> pretty much married. So it's pretty, it's very different culturally. And for me, when we started talking about Kuramia and, and, and the role behind it was my grandma was the mother of seven wife to a gynecologist doctor in Mexico. And, and this goes back, um, uh, well, my mom is now 62 years old. So this goes back maybe 70 years that my grandma was very much of an advocate for women in a time where that wasn't the case. She also worked with my grandpa at the hospital when in a time where women didn't work. Uh, more importantly, she was extremely beautiful internally. Physically, she was stunning and known as the queen of beauty in our town. Um, but she was that kind of person that was always authentic. She was able to fit in in every place with everyone, no matter their walk of life and make them feel like they were, you know, that they were the most special person in the world. She was, she was patient. She was kind. She was giving and she lived her life to the fullest. Now, when we started talking about Kuramia and the creation of Kuramia, I said, okay, well, 
it's been a very masculine product. Tequila has, you know, then the liquor industry, the spirits industry as a whole has been very masculine. Meanwhile, tequila actually originated by women. It was, it was harvested by women. It was uh, planted by women and nobody really knew that. And I kind of started putting all of that together because my grandma was the first person I ever tasted tequila with. And she wanted nothing but for us to stood, you know, to stand by our, by our beliefs and our roots and to always know that we were special. So Kuramiya is definitely paying, um, paying back to her and, um, and, and what we want to do beyond tequila is make a difference and create awareness and bridge gaps and all of those things that are very important to, to me. And obviously my mom raised my brother and I, and we saw her work tirelessly and give us the best life she could. And again, in, in an industry where it was mainly men, male dominant, and she took a role that most people would think, you know, males would take. And, and that's also bridging a gap. That's wonderful. And I'm glad because, and I think everything that you do with Kuramiya is, is this concept behind female, not only you, you speak a lot about that it's founded by female, that are, your employees are 95% females, correct? Um, yes. Tell me about something that I'm very passionate about this topic because um, you and I both know that how underfunded uh, Latina women are in this country, in the U.S. Um, tell me yes. about what has been um, what has been your strategy. So like, it, it's, it's really interesting talking to you about this because here you are, you came to the U.S., you know, as an immigrant at 12 years old, you, you know, you go into this industry, very, very tough industry, you know, that it's now fully dominated by celebrities that we yes. know that celebrities, the power that they have now, that it's a power that they didn't have, you know, even 10 years ago, like this is very new that now celebrities are now entrepreneurs because they now have been able to leverage through social media the communities that they can build so quickly, right? I mean, it's very hard to be able to compete with someone that could build, you know, that could have a million followers on Instagram for a brand that they just launched and they can have that in three months. It's it's mind-blowing to see it, you know? But it tells you- I think you that, how, yeah. So no, how, and I think you're, you're right. I mean, I mean, look, it's, it's and, and this, and I'm speaking not only for the beverage world of, but also in fashion. I mean, you know, many of these celebrities are that were before models and now, or they were before singer or they, or they sing and now they have a fashion line or they have a beauty line. It's changed a lot because now, before now, before emerging brands had to, and when I mean emerging brands, I also speak as me as an emerging company and I speak on you as an, you know, I speak about anyone that is not a huge unicorn, right? Our competitors, yep. you know, were other people like us, but now we're competing against people that like have so much marketing budget and they can get to so many people quickly. How has that impacted you on the launch of the business and also on raising capital? Because obviously you and I cannot get the marketing and the outreach. We're not going to compete with a celebrity, but then again, a celebrity will never be able to tell that storytelling about Guadalajara and that passion that you have with your city, like you are, that your story, your, that is so unique. And, you know, like, you know, more about tequila, I'm sure that all that, you know, that many of these people do, you know, tell me yes, about and I, when you launched yeah. a business and you go and you start 
what has been your approach? Like, do you go and you raise capital? Do you take money from angels? How has that been? Has that been challenging for you on that component? So I actually, you know, Crimea, besides being fully female funded, um, it's also founded. So all of the capital that we have gotten for Crimea up until today has been raised through people who I personally know, who know my life, my work ethic, my my story, and who truly believe in A, the founder and B, the product. And so I pretty much approached this individuals who I admire um, for many reasons, but I went to them with my story and my goals and I told them, this is what we need. And, and we've done one round to begin with, which was the pre-seed. And then we did a seeding round. So we've raised, um, money just that way. What's been challenging has been getting money from institutions, a, because I can see and tell you that a lot of them claim they are giving money to Latino founders, but I've yet to see, um, a lot of them succeed in that area. I think that there's a lot of talk about it. I don't know how much action there really is or how many actually pull through. The other aspect of it is that a lot of VCs don't invest in alcohol, right? Um, I think it's mainly healthcare and, and, and technology that they're investing in because of the risk. So it's been challenging. We continue to to go with that battle daily and, and find our partner, but we know that it will come. Now, when you talk about competing against big brands, of course, competition is healthy. And that's also what inspires us to be innovative, creative. Um, I think there's a couple of things that do help our case. One is the authentic story, which I feel like now more than ever, people want to know the truth and they want to know that what they're consuming is not full of additives and full of um, things that only have a celebrity face in front of them, but are not of good quality. Now, what we did was create a product that is of the highest quality at an accessible price point. So it's an attainable luxury, right? Why? Because for me, it's important for people to know that they can have an amazing Mexican product that is authentic, free of additives, created of its highest quality in the U.S. As a, at a price point where they can share with their friends and family. That is what I want. And I want people to celebrate. I want people to enjoy. I want people to want more of it and not just keep it, you know, as a, as a decor decorative piece. So there's a lot of it. Of course, you know, you talk about our storytelling. We recently just partnered up with a marketing team out of Atlanta. That is the best marketing team. And I can absolutely tell you everything about them. I interviewed about 20, 20 teams um, in my last two years, finding the right partner for Kuramia. And I think that it makes a difference when the the people behind the, the marketing team or the brand are there to see your brand succeed and not just the paycheck. That yeah. makes a complete difference. And that is what's going to make us grow. That is what's going to make people want to hear the story and understand the, the story and, and want to be a part of the Crimea legacy. And their name is Market Wake. Um, they're, they're absolutely fantastic. By the way, before, for you guys that are listening, before having this call with you guys, I was just talking to Daphne and we were talking about one of the big challenges that at least that we have at Labs is that it's a very interesting. We've never, we've done very little PR um, and it's been very challenging because we're not a fashion company. So a fashion typical PR firm wouldn't work for us because we have so much more to say, right? And one of the biggest challenges that I have found is that like there is a big, great market there. And I'm excited to meet this company because the fact that 
there's not that many companies out there because I think you and I, we fall into this bucket that is very interesting. We don't want to be just the Latina owned businesses, but because we, we were doing so many other things that we want to fall into like just great tequila, right. Or a great platform, but yeah, but there is stories that we want to be also told about Latina female owned businesses, you know, disrupting a certain category. Correct. And you would think exactly. a lot of business, there's a lot of marketing agencies out there that focus, but that have relationships on both angles. And it's interesting that there isn't, which I find it fascinating. There, there really isn't. And I think that as social media has become such an essential part of, of exposure, um, you, you know, we talk about micro and macro ma- uh, influencers and I was talking to one of my friends and I mentioned this to you earlier where they were saying that in order for one of the celebrities to post their, their product, they were charging like $25,000 a post. Now talk about, you know, the consumer and the lack of knowledge behind the consumer, because here we think, right, you and I, when we're scrolling through Instagram and we see that celebrity wearing the the piece of jewelry that she actually loves that piece and that you should get it because she's wearing it because she loves it. Meanwhile, perhaps that's the only and last time that person will ever wear the piece of jewelry. So it talks about, (laughs) I think that that's part of like what is going on these days, which is why it's very important to find a team member versus an agency that will just send you invoices. You know, it's, it's funny, like you just brought up a topic that I'm very passionate about this, which is ambassadors and people that really love your brand. Sometimes for me, at least, um, for laughs, sometimes a girl that she could have her Instagram close. Like it could be one of you guys, like someone that I admire, like an entrepreneur that is doing something fascinating. That girl saying that she attended laughs and she loved her experience. Sometimes that has so much more impact than another person that might have 20 million followers that attended laughs because it looks very genuinely. And I think you just mentioned that. I think Yes, we are. There's a lot of competition out there, and there's and yes, marketing-wise, we were never going to compete with celebrities. But the, the fact that people want authenticity and people, I think, I think social media, it's people want more realness and they want, you know. So I think there's this whole micro and there's a new term which is like tastemakers or just like which any entrepreneur falls into that bucket. You don't have to be a content creator. And I think sometimes for businesses like ours, you can't just use that, but like, you know, like there's different approaches that we can take. And I think that that approach of those type of tastemakers can also have a big impact because you sending that to, you know, like Sandra Campos, a friend that we both have in common, you know, like could have more of an impact in your business than you sending it to a celebrity. You know what I mean? Because some people that follow Sandra, could actually be potential investors, you know? So absolutely. And more than anything is people who actually feel like they have a connection and it's a genuine, true connection to the person behind, behind the screen. Right. I think that a lot of us, we we live in a world where superficial is, it's been one of like, it's been a, a direction of how people take their lives. And I think more than ever, and I can say that COVID made people realize a lot of things about what really is important and how we, you know, what is your purpose and what are you doing with your life and what are you, what mark are you leaving? And I think that goes beyond exactly, you know, beyond what we're talking about, but with a brand like ours, 
laughs is much more than a platform and Crimea is much more than tequila. We're here to leave a mark and to make some changes and to bridge some gaps. And that's, that's something that needs to be shared and, and shared authentically. I love everything you're doing, by the way. And you guys, if you haven't tried the tequila, it tastes amazing. It's so good. She gifted us a bottle and we had it like, I think in one boat, ride. Um, it tastes amazing. Um, I highly recommend you, if you guys, are you guys selling, are you selling anywhere in, in, in Florida or where, where can people find you in the U S right now? Yes. So we're actually, um, opening States as we speak, but we have been in Florida. We are in New York. We're in New Jersey. We're, um, in, uh, in Georgia, we're in Tennessee, um, in New, where, where are we? Massachusetts or Boston, we're Vermont. We're, we're in a couple of spots. Now, the best way to, to, you know, to find us is to go to our website, which is com, And you can also like click on where it asks you for your zip code. And, um, and that way you can see where, where you are, or you can buy it from our website. We work with a couple of retailers who do ship. The other thing that always helps us is the more people ask um, at restaurants and at liquor stores if they have our brand, even if they don't have it, at least they'll hear about it and contemplate ordering it so that they can have it for sale. But if you're in Florida, if you're in New York, we work with large distributors. So anybody, meaning any liquor store, any restaurant, anybody who has alcohol is able to get Kuramia. That makes me, I'm going to start asking now at every restaurant. Thank you. That that definitely helps a lot because think about it. And we just talked about competition. So when when Casamigos or Patron or Haradura come into a liquor store, the liquor store owner knows immediately that they're not going to sit on a shelf, right? Because they've created their mark and they have their advertising do dollars to be able to like move product around. Now he will be a little bit more hesitant to get Crimea A because we're brand new. We have not, you know, gotten to to the level of those other brands that I mentioned. But if he knows and hears that his clients and customers are asking for the brand, there is there is some awareness out there, and he will be a little less afraid of getting the brand in. I end every podcast with asking, "What's your purpose? What's your why?" My purpose is to regain our spirit and to encourage young entrepreneurs, especially women, to to go out there and leave a mark, however they do it. And for us, is beyond beyond tequila. But um, but sharing the beauty of my culture and my roots in the U.S. is definitely our why. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed this talk. Thank you. This was great. We hope that you have enjoyed this conversation. You can email us your suggestions on who you would like to hear in our next episode. If you like this chapter, don't forget to leave a comment or rank this podcast. We really appreciate your feedback. Also, remember, you can follow us on Instagram at Latin American Fashion Summit and on Tribu by Laughs, a new platform that will revolutionize the way in which the fashion industry connects. Thanks for tuning in onto the Laughs Podcast. <laughs>